Well, welcome to the final edition of After Hours for 2022. What a year. Uh, but it's ending with a bang. I am sitting here with Victoria Zelinsky, Paul Barros, their husband and wife, and uh, and uh, Dana Olson, who is here with his wife, but she is not uh, in the strange <laughs> business that they are in, so she will not be on the air, but she's sitting here and she's lovely. Uh Welcome back to Chicago. Welcome back to, you know, the performing. I've known two of these people for 40 years or so, and they are among the most talented people I have ever known. Certainly the most talented people I have ever reviewed. There was a organization... Is that a good thing to call a well, theater company? I just want to, for the record, yes. I just want to say I was five years old when we met. Yes, and, you were. Uh, you were a babysitter. <laughs> yes, you were. So I was a I babysitter. Think you were fired. It was pre. Yes, I was fired from babysitting and got into the radio business. Uh, they ran the practical theater company, which was in its day. You know, there there are other theater. The other one I think of that is gone is Remains Theater which was also a, a seminal oh, yeah. kind of thing. And Steppenwolf was starting when you guys started. You all met on the campus of Northwestern University. Take me back to that. Dana, you talk about meeting these two. Yeah, so um, the Meow Show, the, the venerable improvisational comedy show that's all student-produced, is about to go into its 50th year, I think. Oh, Lord. That's right. It wasn't, wow. it wasn't venerable at the time. However, Saturday Night Live was in its first cast, so that kind of irreverent humor was really in vogue. And uh, so I was in the show, and, and Paul came into the show our sophomore year, and we had a really great, talented, wacky group of people doing improvisational comedy together. Paul and I did... Three years, uh, three shows at Northwestern. We took the show on the road one summer and played under the title Humorous Weapons and Tactics as a little improv group at a place called Sylvester's on Lincoln Avenue. Sylvester had these really, really nasty dogs that he kept behind the bar. Doberman Pitchers behind the dog. But he paid us in beer, so we were fine. Wow, that's great. What a career. And one night. Your parents must have been so proud. (laughs) Are you guys making any money? Well, we get the free beer. We got the free beer. But one night, Murray the K was in the audience. Oh, that's right. Murray the K. Shelly brought Murray the K. Yep. What, anyway, so what, go ahead. what drew each of you to, you're going to Northwestern, prestigious university. I don't know, I would like to know what you went there with the intention of being and doing. And mom, dad, I'm going to Northwestern. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. Uh, I want to be an improvisational theater person. I what was to it be for an you? actor. Yeah, Did these you? guys. I was in the theater department. Yeah. Okay. And uh, in fact, I didn't do Meow the first year because I was in a play. Um, and, and couldn't, but I had seen every spring the Meow Show would do Meow Highlights. And I didn't realize at that point that really just the year before it had become a you know, second city kind of format, you know, uh, improv comedy review. I thought it was an institution. I didn't realize that was really about the first. Where did you come from? Where did you years. come from? I came from Cleveland. Okay. I came from Cleveland. And I had done one comedy review. I, you know, my theater director asked me to be part of a cast at a place where they were actually drinking and it was a musical comedy review and i really loved the format and so when i saw the 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 meow show i thought that i have to do yeah. and it was a tough thing to crack because there were a lot of really good people rush pearson among sure, them, you remember rush sure. and uh I did it my sophomore year with Dana. We had a fabulous time, and the, you know the audiences were great. 
And, you know, we just worked really, Who, really hard at it. Were the audiences students? Yeah, mostly students, yeah. and I think the tickets were two bucks or a dollar fifty. Perfect for students. But yeah, you, but and it the was venue a huge thing on campus. I was yeah. I came at it from another angle. I was an English major, and I like to do Shakespeare. And I remember going to the Meow Show and thinking, "My God, this is the coolest damn really? thing I'd ever seen." But I would never imagine myself doing it because I was a little bit more into. Was acting. was it an improv show? Remind me. It was. It was, and originally they did uh, the the show before me. They they were still doing improv games on stage, and then when Kyle Hefner took over uh, directing, he abolished improv games on stage. So all the sketches were written through improv. Gotcha. But the show was scripted from curtain to curtain. Where did you come from? I, I grew up in Park Ridge. Oh, okay. And uh, I came to Northwestern to be a film major okay. because uh, I'd have no acting chops. And, uh, That's not I was, true. I was not, not going to be a theater major. But all my friends were theater majors because um, the t- film department was just like a ch- in a trailer in a building that they used to store bullets in in World War II. Was, was Frank Galati teaching there? He then? was. Was yes. he? I took my first course in interpretation with Frank Galati, who taught the interpretation of drama, and I remember just thinking I had died and gone to heaven. To you, how did you come to Northwestern? I, I'm a little kid from the southwest side, Beverly, and I came as an English You're not a Mother Macaulay kid, are you? No, okay. my Mother Macaulay turned me down. They did? She's too funny to go here. No, I really, I applied and all my friends went there and they said no. Luther South, which is now of blessed memory. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But my sister and brothers had gone to Morgan Park, but it was a tough time at Morgan Park. Yeah, I know. To come there as an English major with the intention of what? Teaching? No, I wanted to be a lawyer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was something that was in the background. I, my dad kept saying, you're not the daughter of a Polish count. You've got to find a way to earn a loaf of bread. And so I imagined or told everyone that I would either get a PhD in English. But Victoria did wind up um, while in college or just after, just after com- getting involved college. with some of the people who we'd done the, the, Gary Kroger the Meow Show and with. I Gary and Kroger. a couple of other guys, Jeff yeah. Lupiton, Bill Ronsky. We did a sh- and we she had did a, the clubs, too? We did the clubs. We did the Playboy Club. We did Cobart's Comedy Cove. And, oh, that was laugh track that was was laugh track track. and i remember being at the playboy club and watching a couple bunnies backstage at about 11 o'clock checking out a centerfold and i decided at that moment i would go to law school (laughs) and i did what when you guys were all doing that and doing the meow show did you switch majors did you no i got a master's in speech interpretation in the following year and then took off a year and did comedy and then went to law school. What was, as a guy who did not go to college uh, and just drove a cab and did other things, the great proletariat kind of uh, young person, lived in Spain for a while. Uh, but what, while you're in college, do you start to see a possible future or was or and professional future or was it just so much fun? Well, well, well first of all, it was so much fun. Yeah, the, whole, the whole... Meow show thing was so much was so much fun that you know I I knew that I really really loved comedy and the idea of becoming an actor in a regional theater or something was which is what I intended when I got there yeah was not so important um, and then in about 1979 my junior year um, Brad Hall and I um, our roommate Rob Mendel and uh, uh, gal named angela murphy formed the what we called attack theater at the right, time right to do new plays and improvisational comedy mm-hmm. um we formed a board of directors and the board of directors says hmm 
attack theater, not sure that's the best thing if yeah. you want to raise money for things. So it would be more practical to come up with a different name. So Brad and I said, ding, ah, ding. theater company. And that was back when generic was everything. Sure, so sure. I designed this generic logo that said the Practical Theater Company. And we came up with this motto, art is good, and started doing things. You know, at the Music Hall, at Northwestern, at National College of Education, at the Noise Cultural Arts Center. Yep. Yep. And until eventually we graduated and got our 42-seat space on Howard Street. It was quite a space, too. We will continue on with these members, former members of the Practical Theater Company, but always. It's like being a Marine. <laughs> uh, always members of the Practical That's Theater sad. Company. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back. Uh, I am sitting here with uh, Paul Burroughs, his wife, Victoria Zielinski, and Dana Olson, who is here with his lovely wife. <laughs> I'm talking to them because I really like them, and I've known them, two of them, for at least 40 years. But they're back with a show, uh, Vic and Paul and Dana's post-pandemic review, which was supposed to happen last year. It is taking place in collaboration with uh, Steve Rashid and his Studio 5 in Evanston, it's December 29th, 30th, and 31st, which is, if memory serves, and I don't have Alzheimer's, New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. And then again, January 4th, 5th, and 6th. I will tell you much more about that, but now we're talking about the legendary past of these uh, three performers. You can go to studio, the number five, five, dot dance to get all the information and to buy tickets. Dana, you are going to drive uh, all college graduates really crazy out there, no matter what field they're in. You got a call three days before you graduated with a job offer. I did, and that's not how it's going to happen for anybody else. <laughs> I can imagine. What was the job offer? So I had been uh, I had been doing meow for uh, for four years, and I had been planning on moving to Los Angeles to pursue stand up comedy without ever really having an act and i used to tape my notes to the mic stand i've got a good five minutes i got a good five minutes <laughs> maybe i had five and uh gary marshall who was of course a, a very notable northwestern alum and was at that time the most successful situation comedy producer on television yeah he had three of the top ten shows. Happy on Days. Here. Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley and Morgan and Mindy all oh. going at the same time. Wow. So he was... So why um, did he... How did he... What did you do? So he came to Northwestern on a visiting... <laughs> he, he came to Northwestern on a visiting artist thing. Yeah. And we put up a night of meow scenes <sighs> for him. And uh, I got to know him. And, and I ended up writing a couple of uh, Laverne and Shirley scripts on spec and sent him to him. Oh, that's and then I didn't hear anything, and I didn't hear anything. And, I, and he said, I, he, I, I think he said, yeah, give me a call if you get out here to L.A., and I'll see if I can find something for see, you. See, but the thing about Gary Marshall is I know him, and I've met him a couple times, but know about him. He meant that. Yeah, oh, oh he absolutely did. As opposed to most did. Hollywood. I had no idea. It sounded like, you know, he yeah, was Hollywood shining me yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. whatever. Right, so, then, so then th about three days before I graduated, I got a call from one of his assistants, and... She said, we have a spot for you on the Laverne and Shirley writing staff. <laughs> That's wow. crazy. So I was like, okay. That is, it's like a, it's like a Christmas miracle. <laughs> well, talk so, about Christmas miracles when Paul and Julia and Brad and Gary got well, picked up. At, oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, well, they start, a, did you keep tabs on, uh, you must absolutely. have, you guys were friends. I remember the phone call that I had. So I graduated <laughs> on a Saturday, and on Monday I had an office at Paramount. Uh, wow. And I was wow. on staff at Laverne and Shirley. And then, I get, what was it, 81 when 81. you guys picked up? 82. 
So, so 82, I was still on the show, and I remember hearing that you guys had gotten plucked for Saturday Night Live, and I remember talking to you from my office at Paramount Studios <laughs> and, to, and congratulating you guys on, on going to New York and doing SNL, which was... Well, very the, soon I the great thing about it, having watched the, the Practical Theater Company grow, I mean, they were extraordinary. You guys have been extraordinary every time I've seen you. <laughs> but uh, Well, it happened very quickly, and, and, it sure did. and we got... We got lucky, you know. It's always, you know... uh, We thought, hey, this is easy. (laughs) Well, it's the convergence of of luck, talent, and timing. And two of those things aren't in your control, you know. Right, right. So you just have to be doing good work at the time. And uh, we had this 42-seat space on Howard Street, which left us in complete control. You know, we didn't have to audition our material for anybody we just we just put it up when you got you got help from bob falls who was running wisdom bridge just down the street to build that theater jason brett Stuart oaken absolutely the guys from the apollo gave us the lighting yeah you know it was a very collaborative time oh no question that that chicago theater and nurturing time oh yeah Yeah. friends at remains and then the support of sheldon patinkin who came in but that was the thing is after we did our second comedy review at howard street sheldon patinkin was in the audience because he was there as a member of the Jeff committee. Right. And he basically said that, you know, he'd like to work with us if, if we, we, we wanted him to. <laughs> yeah. And we were, yeah. Yeah, we think Google that would be okay. Yeah. So you yeah. couldn't like quickly just Google him and blow your mind. Right. You know, but well, we said right away, yeah. And then we did a little research on that and went, <laughs> oh my you gotta God. be kidding yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, really. And then he worked with us for the next year on all the comedy reviews that we did. And he probably is the one who told bernie Sollins, and and bernie Sollins came and paul sills story theater space used to be behind second city sure. and paul sills quit it so he had this now this white elephant in the back of the back of, and it was just a big black yeah. box you can't yeah eventually and bernie said ETC. You, know, you guys want to build a, no, a theater said, you in guys, here you guys want and you could do shows exactly yeah. <laughs> and we're like are you kidding me yes of course we do so um louis di crescenzo fine mm-hmm. You know, actor and, and designer yeah. built that theater, which I believe is still the Second City ETC, ETC. Mm-hmm. today. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And so, for the first show there, we took some of the best stuff that we had done. You know, in the in the you know Meow Show and the best sketches we had devised, and we did the show, the 50th Golden Jubilee, to celebrate our 50 right. years in show business, yes, right? right? And we made these ridiculous <laughs> programs combined with the 50 years of, of age. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and. Six weeks into that run, and I believe that Tim Kizarinski had something to do I, with it. Yeah, um, Lauren Michaels, the producers. Well, it wasn't at that time. It was um, Ebersol. It was Dick Ebersol oh, and right, Bob Tischler. Right, yeah, right, Ebersol. right. And I remember two things about me about that experience. One is on the night that we opened, and we knew the show was 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 a hit. You know, Brad and I were thinking, "This is it. This is everything we've ever wanted. It's our own theater." The- and and then six weeks later, we're all we're in New York for yeah. SNL, and it's like, what? Yeah. So it was wild. Well, that it was, was Mark. I remember when that happened, man. It was huge news on the front. It was you, Brad, was Gary, Gary Kroger, and and, and uh, Julia, Julia, and Julia, Julia Dreyfus, yeah, who was available for the show because this one was in law school. Well, she saw yeah. the Playboy models. So <laughs> That's right. Looking, looking at centerfold, so she had to do another something. example of Zelensky done, judgment. But Julia had done our final meow show. Yeah, and then I'd cast her in. She Three was like Penny twenty Opera. years old, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very young, and and I'd cast her in Three Penny Opera, which was my last <sighs> thing that I did at Northwestern. 
And uh, then we cast her in the show Scuba Hay. You know, it's amazing what happened to you guys is what everybody hopes is going to happen to them when they're doing theater in L.A. The difference is in Chicago, it's not a means to an end. Everybody was doing because you and Brad were like, this is the pinnacle. This is what we want to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, everybody no. in L.A. is waiting for somebody to come along tomorrow and give them a sitcom. You well, know? That's that part so of the true. reason, to my mind, is you guys were not pragmatic about it you did not say we're going to take this etc space so we can go to new york no. I mean, you were doing what you love no and in fact when we when we went to new york you know you do three weeks on and a week off and we'd yeah. come back you'd come every back. week off yep. Yep. and you know to because we were still running two two spaces Practical and theater. Uh, sure. you know, i remember bernie saying because we were saying we we're going to put another show in in the Piper's Alley space, and he goes, "I don't know." He goes, "You guys are the talent," and we're like, "No, no, no, no! Believe me, we can launch another show." He goes, "I don't know if you can translate that to somebody." To believe me, we can. And Bernie so, Sollins, the late Bernie Sollins, uh, and he was great, great, and he was Bernie just a great guy. But you know, Victoria, Tom Virtue, Richard Kind, um, yep. you know, Elizabeth. a few other people, and they did Mega Fun. And we came back to work with the cast and Megafund. Sheldon was working with them. And that show is actually, in some ways, was even a bigger hit than oh, yeah. the Golden Jubilee because it actually got to run. We will go on and continue on with these three. We could do five hours of radio, but they have shows to do uh, in uh, late December and early January. So I'll just take another half hour of their time. We'll be back. Paul Burroughs on his, uh, is it a blog? Paul, what is that thing? I guess it's my blog. Or a website? What is it? Because I want people it, to go there. It, it's a blog. It's a blog. It's uh, what? Paul's Voyage of Discovery and etc. I believe. Well, you refer to it, you refer to the practical theater company in the 80s and going to do Saturday Night Live and everything else and Art, Ruth, and Trudy and all the success and then the end as your brigadoon. <laughs> and I think that is one way to describe it. It was a remarkably fertile, creative time for all of you. And you all went off in different directions. You and Victoria happily got married, went out to L.A. What you got to do out in L.A.? Well, I just television this, is for the this most the part. Dana, thing? are you free? Can you buy us dinner? <laughs> Dana, are you free? Can you buy us dinner? <laughs> Dana, can we use your pool? That's <laughs> a lot of that. We actually got together with Dana, and uh, you know, very, very quickly there, the 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 small community, but small, very close knit community of Northwestern folks who are out in Los Angeles. Oh, sure. You know, so it was really kind of like you know, Evanston in the Valley. Um, that that way, but the, the valley thing, the valley could use some Evanston. Yeah, they yeah, really absolutely. could. But you know, we were Paul was involved in television. Um, we did, talk about well, it. Well, I say I mean, what you know, I, once again, you know, Gary Kroger. I I'd gotten there. I'd gotten there mm. because I'd worked with uh, Jonathan Brandmeier. <laughs> sure, um, with his. Who, you know, it made, you know, brought me on as head writer. He had a three special deal with NBC. Mm. The first one was done. It was the first show ever done at the NBC Tower. Yeah. And then, you know, we did other, another one out in Los Angeles. So I came out to do that, to do that show. And Fred Silverman was the producer, and it was, you know, a, you know, a really big deal. Um, it was the first development deal they had signed after Letterman's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. first exclusive Brandon. development deal. And I asked at the press conference, I was a TV critic then, I said, does it, I thought John was a grand talent, but I told, as Fred Silverman, I said, do you think it automatically, the talent in radio will automatically transfer to television? And he looked at me like I was an idiot in the same way he really did. 
He did, like he That's never th- never thought of that before. Uh, well, if, it, you give, if you get some idea about that whole experience, will be encapsulated by the fact that just before we opened, and maybe even the day that we did the show, Silverman had a heart attack. Yeah. So, yeah. the pressure. But not my fault. It wasn't my fault. You it tried to warn quite an adventure. You tried to warn him. You, you two, you liked L.A. You had children out it. there. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, oh, yeah. And what, you came back last year with the intention of doing this show, but it got, it got right. killed. Well, actually, you. we started coming back right after we, um, in, in 2010, um, and we had not really done a comedy review since Art Ruth and Trudy, I think, closed in like 1986. And we had mm. been spending a lot of our time on the soccer field sure, at the parent meetings. Yes. And I looked at Paul and I said, either we're soccer parents or we're comedians. What the hell are we? And he said, sit down and let's write a show. Right. And and, and Victoria, you know, started listening to um, bringing tapes of uh, Nichols, Nichols and May, and May. In, improvisations Which our music. Yeah. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and so we kind of did a, a review in the style of Nichols and May called the Vic and Paul Show. Right, right, um, right. And uh, and then after we did that, we we brought it to Chicago, we brought it to Cleveland. You know, we, we kind of kept it alive for a few years. No, no, but, did, but there's a funny moment though because we were, producing, we're sitting at our breakfast. Excuse me, right, Paul, because exactly. I got to get a word in edgewise. Sure. And it's not often very easy to do that. <laughs> well, we were sitting at our, uh, our kitchen counter and we're writing the show, and I remember little Eva coming into the kitchen and saying, "Are you guys fighting?" <laughs> And I went, no, we're writing a show, honey. I'll go back to back. Of course we're fighting. We're this is comedy. Show. Yes, we're not fighting. We're this is comedy. We're improvising. <laughs> exactly. And then um, then we started. Dana was doing a thing at um, at the Wilmette Theater called uh, Mr. Olson's Neighborhood. And uh was kind of, you know, he'll t- tell you more about that. But then we started kind of meshing what we were doing with the Vic and Paul show mm-hmm. with, with, with Dana. And... And, and we was... threw together a New Year's show yeah. In, yeah. in 2013, and we did it at uh, at uh, a space in Evanston. Oh, we did it 27 Live. 27 Live. Yeah. And it was a big hit. And it was a great show, and we got hammered with about 900 inches of snow that night. Oh. But uh, but we, we we threw together some comedy sketches and had some music and then the the rock me's played afterwards and that was the greatest New Year's Eve party I've ever been to in wow. my life. It and awesome. the night manager had a heart attack. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh. I mean, we've always been a lot of heart attacks going on. Yeah, yeah. It's very exciting. Year. So then very we started exciting. cranking one of these things together every New Year's Eve, and it became a tradition. And the kids so. were involved. Yeah. I mean, it was well, lots we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to talk specifically about what this show and Great. what it's going to be and why people should go. We'll be right back. There's never enough time for smart and fun and engaged people, and this has been a ball with uh, Paul Burroughs, Victoria Zelensky, and Dana Olson all here to talk about Vic and Paul and Dana's post-pandemic review. It takes place December 29th, 30th, and 31st. That would be New Year's Eve and January 4th. Fifth and sixth at uh, Steve Rashid, who is also the I mean, musical collaborator on the show. Indeed. Uh, Studio 5 in Evans. And you can go to Studio, the number five, dot dance for all sorts of information. Here's some inside information. What are you guys doing this show, please? <laughs> well, I'll say one. Studio 5 dot dance backslash calendar. That'll get you right to it. Good. But... Um, well, what are we doing? Uh, we celebrate the, the sort of suffering and frustration that we engage in because of the <laughs> pandemic, because of the political situation. We laugh, we're sexy, we tell jokes, and we talk about real life. 
with with music with a great band, and that's one of the things. Yeah, it's, right. It's Steve a great music band. Steve Rashid on Sternberg, keys, uh, Rock and Ronnie Crawford on drums, and uh, and Jim Cox Jim on Cox. bass. Wow, on and, bass. and it's a perspective that's uh, that's not promoted tremendously now because we are all mature people, <laughs> and we have a mature perspective on some of the cultural issues that everyone is struggling with at the moment. And what do you do? You got to laugh at it. And we, our whole, our whole uh, relationship as friends is based on making each other laugh for the last forty years. Sure. And it's what we have a blast doing. So has has the and I don't want to dwell on this at all. Just a minute. All three of you can answer. Is the the, the political rec cancel culture pinched you at all? It's got to be on your mind somehow. Actually, actually, it it's on our minds, but. We don't yield to it. Good, but we talk about it and have fun with it. Good, you know. Good because you know our whole thing has been always been right from Meow Show through the Practical Theater Company. Um, we did it. We did a sketch in the in, a, in, in the Meow Show that ultimately it was a seal getting clubbed, you know, and and people were shocked by it, but. The whole point was that they should be shocked by seals getting clubbed. You, you know, you should not club seals. Was right. the point of the sketch? Right. So our our whole point was not like you know rah rah we're doing. So you know that, that's just a, a long way to say that. But contextually, it was pretty funny. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. hilarious. <laughs> but you know. but but you know, for example, we're you know one of the sketches. Let's talk a little bit about the fun people are going to have. I mean, we're, we 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 do a sketch that reckons with the cancel culture in the math department, a mm. department you might not think has to reckon with this because there is a right answer. But no, mm-hmm. it's actually just as serious there because mathematicians are people too. Exactly, you know, and we have to deal with, you know, the restrictions based on, you know, put on our curriculum by current social and political sensitivities we face as a publicly funded institution. In the math department? <laughs> well, we do. <laughs> mathematicians are people too. What's the length of the, what's the running time of the show as you just see Just a little it under two hours. Yeah. It's two acts and mm-hmm. uh, an intermission. And, you know, you can get adult drinks which is very very nice in the cabaret that very always fine helps. adult no, that, beverages that which always <laughs> helps have you been rehearsing oh oh yes we've been rehearsing never more don't forget we were going to do this show and I, but for covid and don sternberg we would have done that, show. that we thought we lost our last year we were everybody was go. testing positive oh, wow. you know in the last few days leading up to the show last year <laughs> and last year these guys were still in la so we were rehearsing endlessly on zoom how does what was that like for you? I hate, I hate Zoom, frankly. Well, yeah. you can, I hate interviewing people you can, on Zoom. I you hate. can write together yeah. on Zoom, but rehearsing is difficult because comedy is all timing. And, and impossible to sing together on Zoom. Yeah. So it's been much better here because we can actually get together physically. It's, it's so much better. We get more time in, in the Studio 5 space, which is also very, mm-hmm. very helpful. Because mm-hmm. normally, talk about Brigadoon, we would come in for two weeks – Rehearse the show for three days, four days, and then perform it for and like you know four performances, and then we were gone. And it's a fast-moving, complicated show with props and lights and music cues and drums, and so we're lucky to have the indulgence of being able to rehearse it. So I want people to understand this is a, a show that was that was going to happen last year, and it's been rewritten and re-rehearsed, and, we and have it's fun ready with to everything celebrate. from you know from QAnon to to Shakespeare to Jane Austen to the Greek gods, marriage counseling. So it is a, Hera. it is a smart show. It's Not- smart, but it's got its share of lowbrow. 
you know? Oh, well, yeah. you know, Kroger's wife explained it as intellectual vaudeville. <laughs> and there is a bit more of vaudeville this year because we did this thing with um, with Steve Rashid and and you know and his sons uh, called Into the Mist. Into the Mist, set in 1927. Victoria yeah. and I played a couple of vaudevillians, Morty and Mitzi, and so we bring Morty and Mitzi to the show, but we also do a take on Who's on First. The whoopee cushion makes an appearance or two. I mean, yes, it I'm, it's not all highbrow. Thank God. It's and good. you're going to break the fourth well, wall plus, a little bit. Well, the drinks help, too. Yeah. They do. <laughs> that has ever, that's ever been one of the hallmarks of Second City, too, I have ever believed. Absolutely. And we're also playing, we're also having some fun with, with the whole uh, concept of, of a sketch itself. You know, and and the fourth wall and breaking down the audience and kind of getting into the audiences as, as, as well. And it's a super intimate space. It's really yeah, comfortable, real. and the audience is right up there with us, so it's really fun. And How many seats? What's the capacity it's got of that 144 space. seats. Oh, that's perfect. 40 of them on the floor on 10 tables of four, and then very, very comfortable theater seats that, you know. And, and it's all... It's all very, very close to us. It, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a wide space, and so yeah. you know, and the I, sound is fabulous. Rashid's sound guys are are amazing. But and, here's and the, the best thing. Is great. Yes. Here's the best thing. There's unlimited free parking, yes. and when I say unlimited free parking, I mean he means it. You could park two hundred cars out there. Yeah. So you know, I, we, we've seen that. a lot of wonderful theater that we've driven around. You know, forty minutes to try to find a parking space for this. Pull up, boom, parking boom, space. There. As experienced as the three of you are, is there any butterflies anxiety before before you go on stage and perform? Is there... Oh, my yeah, Every God. time. Victoria is shaking now. She's until, shaking. You get, until you get the first laugh, I'm a Is wreck. that right? Yes. Yeah. Still. That's pretty much it. Once I get the first laugh, I'm okay. We you won't know. share. I, I mean, vomiting, diarrhea. Yeah. Oh, wow, that bad, huh? Well, that's, also, that's Paul. Also I'm you know, pretty cool. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the, the producer guy, so beforehand, I'm thinking about a bunch of other things. I'm thinking about what's the house, you know. Is is everybody in yet? If we come How's there, your smoke machine you know, working? Paul exactly. loves the smoke. Right. Is there going to be snow? Does the snow machine work? Talking to the stage manager about we're going to push 10 minutes, all that kind of stuff. And I think that helps me not to have that moment. Sure, sure. But but really, when I actually get out there in front of the crowd, then I feel relaxed. Because Studio 5, to me, is it's like home. Yeah, yeah. I just really feel comfortable there now. are, Are memories evoked when you guys are on stage? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And so, in fact, the last show that we did before the pandemic, two years ago, we brought back a lot of old practical sketches because we were in a hurry to write it. And I and so I said to Paul, why don't we just go back into the archive and we'll pull up some stuff that we love. We did stuff. We pulled stuff out of the Northwestern Meow Show archive for wow. the show two years ago. And it still played, which was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Enormously gratifying. But we've had... So much time to work on on this material because we got canceled. It we had written an entire show for last year, and uh, and then we got canceled. So we've had a lot of time to go over this stuff, and it's you know new funny stuff happens every day. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, yes, you oh ladies God. and gentlemen listening out there, that could not be a more thoughtful uh, inducement I can think to come to the show. These three, if you've been listening to the. Uh, 
the show, and we haven't even had Dana's wife on, uh, <laughs> have to have felt the not only the intelligence and the fun, but the utter charm of you three. And I have always sensed that, and I have always sensed that that is part of part of your appeal. Uh, no matter what the topic is, there is a sense of of charm to what you do, and. All you need to do is go back and read my review of the, of Art, Ruth, and Trudy, and you'll go, oh, my God. That may be, I, I, I went back and read it today, that may be the single most favorable review. <laughs> There's nothing, it, it, should, it, it ended, I think, with the line, and it should run forever. <laughs> I am glad Thank that it is that. running still. Uh, exactly. This uh, the, the weekend of the 29th, 30th, and 31st, which is New Year's Eve and January 4th, 5th, and 6th. Go to studio, the number five, dot dance, slash what, Paul Burroughs? Well, calendar. Calendar. There you go. And you will buy tickets. Victoria Zelensky, Paul Burroughs, and Dana Olson, who I didn't know because you were being famous out in L.A. <laughs> Uh, this is this has been a real honor for me. Thank you. Thank a great, you so great way to end the year and a good way to begin the year too. I will tell you now because Krista Flores wants me to. The Blackhawks are back at home tonight, taking on New York in a nationally televised game. That means the only local broadcast is right here on WGN. Just tell your smart speaker, whatever that may be, to play WGN Radio. Blackhawks Radio is sponsored by your local Chevy dealers. Now's the time for you to score a Chevy Equinox. Chevy Equinox all-wheel drive performs in any type of weather. You're hearing this from a guy who never owned a car. On the ice or off, Chevy Equinox will get you where you want to go. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane Taves drive and all of you have a lovely new year and a merry christmas and happy hanukkah and kwanzaa and all the other holidays we celebrate see you next year